God's Word speaks to us this evening from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Chapter 3, we're going to read together verses 1 through 11. Philippians chapter 3. We shall read the first 11 verses of this chapter. And this is God's word to us tonight. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, Faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing <clears throat> Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. And this is God's word. <clears throat> it's really wonderful for us to know this, the factual events surrounding and including the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, by means of the Bible, we are brought back to that day when the women in their sorrow slowly approached the area of the tomb, wondering who was going to remove the stone. And to when the soldiers were paralyzed and unconscious with fear at their watch. By means of the word of God, we are brought back to when Peter and John, exhausted from their, their run, peered into an empty sepulcher. To when Mary weeps in despair at the thought that Someone has stolen the body of Jesus only to be startled by the voice of her risen master. I mean, it's wonderful to be brought back to the rolled away stone, to the empty tomb, to the folded linen, to the napkin that was once upon his head. It's wonderful to be brought back by the biblical account over these centuries to hear the frightened explanation of the, of, the, uh, of the soldiers and the deceptive plans of the high priests and the confused and sorrow-laden thoughts 
of the angels or of the, of the two men on the road to Emmaus and to then be told of the announcement of the, of the angels and the excited response of the disciples. He is risen. It's wonderful. After all these years, the facts are here in black and white. The facts that have been reported by the gospel writers, by Peter, by the apostles, and also by the 500 brethren that are mentioned in the book of Corinthians. All the facts, all the facts that we have uh, read in the Bible indicate that Jesus, Jesus is risen. All the eyewitnesses say that he is alive. Those are the facts. But is it enough, dear friends, just to know the facts? When Paul writes to the Philippians stating that it is his desire to know him, to know Christ, and the power of the resurrection, he implies that he also knows the facts. But there is so much more to learn. Paul had met the risen, living Savior on the road to Damascus. He knew all about the rolled away stone. He knew all about the folded linen, the news of the other disciples, all the other things that make up the resurrection account. But what his prayer is, is to increasingly understand the consequences of Christ's resurrection for him. What Paul wanted to understand, to know more and more, is the power, the power of the resurrection. For you see, that power, that word power, makes all the difference in the world. It makes a difference as to whether one simply possesses the facts or possesses the life. It makes a difference between whether one is a living Christian or a dead Christian. Between someone who has a form of religion or someone who has the heart of faith. Paul writes, I must know the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ for my faith and for my life. So tonight I want to consider the possibilities of what the power of the resurrection may be. And the first thing that came to my mind, which is really obvious, is that it is the power of life over death. And in that respect, my thoughts went back to the Genesis account of God's first creation. There was this time when there was only chaos. We read that the earth was without form, void, covered with intense darkness. There was no life. There was no plant life. There was no animal life. There was no human life. Until God spoke. And when God used his power, then there was life. Trees came to be, flowers came to be, birds came to be, 
Beasts of all sorts came to be, and we, human beings, came to be. Now, just as that light dispelled the darkness and the chaos and the nothingness of the earth, so the resurrection of Jesus Christ has dispelled the destructive forces of death that have taken hold upon this good earth since the time of Adam's disobedience. The power of God that was work in the creation of the world was also at work in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Colossians 2, verse 12, we read, You were once also raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. You see, the resurrection of Jesus involved far more than just the resuscitation of his corpse. Rather, the creative power of Genesis brought Jesus Christ back from death, eternal death. Today, Jesus Christ is alive, and we know then that we are participants in a whole new situation. We are participants in a new creation where the destructive forces of death are being reversed where the destroyed and distorted image of God is being restored and where the darkness of sin is being dispelled. And that which was once subject to death, you and I are now promised new life, everlasting life. You know, the good news of the gospel is said to be from Philippians 2, verse 16, the word of life. And from 2 Corinthians 2, verse 16, it is called a fragrance of life unto life. So in all, to know the power of the resurrection is to know that it's to know more than that one day our, our corpse will be resuscitated, come out of the graves, but that we have to understand that we have already come alive to God today. We're part of a new creation. We have a whole new point of view, don't we? We have a new direction and a new goal. And that is to be citizens of the very kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of our God. Secondly, the power of the resurrection is the power of grace over law. Paul writes in Colossians, you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh but God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses, having counseled the bond which stood against us with its legal demands. This he has set aside, and he nailed it to the cross. Such is evidence of the power of God's grace, the power of the resurrection. Oh, how that law held us how that law accused us. I mean, the law said, you're a liar. 
You swear, you steal, you wish you had more. You're racist. You should have done more for your neighbor. You should have prayed more. You should have gone to church more. All the things that we have done through selfishness and rebellion. And then the law says, you're cursed. Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law to do them. That's where we were. Accused and cursed. Well, Paul saw it this way. That handwritten document, that law of Moses that accused us and cursed us, all the requirements, both moral and ceremonial, all of that testified against us. No way could we obtain salvation by means of it. No way could we ever be free from its curse. No way could we ever be forgiven. For the law accused us, and it was right. We are sinners. And it cursed us, for the wages of sin is death. But in Christ, a great change took place. It is as though God spilled ink all over that document. Couldn't see it anymore. Couldn't read it anymore. The list of all of our sins simply was blotted out by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. All those requirements that accused us and bound us and cursed us, all of that was nailed to the cross alongside of our dying Savior. So our sins are gone because Christ died. You see, when Christ satisfied the law's demands with perfect obedience, when Christ bore the curse that was upon us, when Christ fulfilled all the shadows and types and ceremonies of the law, the law's accusations against us were silenced. Its curse was removed. And now we are no longer under that law's curse, but under grace. And to know the power of the resurrection is to begin to learn what it is to live in grace. That means we shouldn't be unsure anymore of our eternal destiny, but some of us, I think, remain afraid, still trying somehow to deserve it. But by God's grace, as shown in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And because of God's grace, we can live in the joy of peace with God. And because of God's grace, we can live 
in the joy of his fellowship. And because of God's grace, we are saved and thus we can live in the joy of God's love. Such is the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection <clears throat> is also the power of good over bad. I mean, what is the resurrection of Christ but a sure testimony that Jesus Christ has defeated the power of sin and the power of the evil one together with all the principalities and all the authorities that dare to oppose God? Throughout the ages, these forces, these personalities, these evil beings have terrified us. I mean, we have, we have crawled upon our knees in terror and devotion before them. We have sacrificed even the lives of our children to them. We are constantly being defeated by them. But now in the midst of this constant struggle between good and bad comes a word of power and a word of comfort. I mean, what is it that Paul writes in Colossians? And I quote, God in raising Jesus from the dead, stripped the principalities and the authorities of their power, that is publicly exposing them to disgrace by triumphing over them in him. Terrible events take place every single day in our world. Evil events. So much so that we don't feel in control. We stand weak-kneed before the forces of evil. They seem to be getting stronger and stronger and stronger every day. But listen. Listen to the gospel. We no longer need to be afraid of these spiritual forces that surround us. We no longer need to be the victims of sin and evil. The battle has been won. That enemy has been put on public display with great shame before the whole world because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then to know more and more of that power is to grow in our confidence over the temptations that come our way. It is to have less and less fear, not less and less ideas of what the evil one can do, but less and less fear of the evil one. <coughs> the power of the resurrection is to know that we can gain more and more victories. We can live victorious lives over our sin and over temptation. The power of the resurrection is to become more and more holy, godly, spiritually and morally, becoming more and more like Jesus, our Savior. And then finally, the power of the resurrection is the power of glory over gloom. What is the difference between Good Friday and Easter? 
the difference between the crown of thorns and the crown of righteousness. The difference between the robe of shame and mockery to the white robes of holiness. Or the beaten, wounded body of one crucified to a renewed, glorified body fully prepared for the Father's eternal home. Do you begin to see the difference? Are you Are you beginning to see in your personal life more and more the glory of God's kingdom and less and less of the glitter of the world? Are you seeing more and more of God's image in the faces of people that you meet every day rather than their color, the power of the resurrection? is the power of glory over gloom. And we should be seeing the glory of God's kingdom more and more every day. But another thing, we were also looking at the gloom of a cold, dark grave. Not only that, we were looking at the punishment of hell. The resurrection power changes all of that for us who have faith in Jesus Christ. Someday, can you imagine? Someday this mortal will put on immortality because of the power of the resurrection. I mean, someday this corruption will put on incorruption because of the power of the resurrection. Someday this weakness will put on strength because of the power of the resurrection. Paul was concerned that each of us begin to know the full power of the resurrection. Because like I said, it makes all the difference in the world. We all know the facts, but do we know the power? If we do, will it not be evident in the power of life in us and the power of grace? And the power of good and the power of glory. If you know and begin to know the power of the resurrection, you're simply going to know what it is to be alive. Alive in Christ. And you're just going to begin to feel free as you live in grace. And you're going to begin to feel victorious as you defeat evil with good. And if you know the power of the resurrection, how how could I put it otherwise? You're just going to feel glorious. Amen. Father, 
we know the facts and thank you for that. Thank you for your word that reports to us the events that occurred on that resurrection morning. Thank you that Jesus Christ is risen, that he is alive. It is our prayer, Father, that we begin fully to know the power of his resurrection, the power of life and the power of grace, the power of goodness, and the power of glory. This we pray in our Savior's name. Amen.